Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 4, Episode 7, titled Dragazines. My name's Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one loquacious co-host. First from the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... What the f- do I know about working out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You're like, you're, you have so many medals that uh, Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps were jealous. This is my new one. This is my new one right here. And then why are you always taking a bite of it? Because it's supposed to be like where they like, you're like biting the gold where it's supposed to be, you're supposed to prove that it's gold, even though this is made of rubber. I love my medals. Did I even say you're Taylor Latte Boy? Taylor Latte. No, you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, your lady. <laughs> uh, cheesecake. Anyway, uh, Latte Boy. Yes. I have been um, biting my tongue, so to speak, all week because I wanted to save for the show. And I already know what you're going to say. The show, this show does not come out on the feed until shit. End of December. Right? right. Right. So I want to know, give me the details. What happened on your three-day cruise on the Disney cruise? It was a lot of fun. It was There very was no relaxing. drama. There was, uh, no, I don't think there was drama. I, I think that we we got along lovey, lovingly as we normally do. Um, there was no issue. You with the mask wearing as was oh, a there concern of okay. mine. There was mm-hmm. not. There was there was a couple of times in which I think we might have forgot to put it on when we left the room. But I immediately mm-hmm. would say mask up, and there was there was no argument. Um, was there any mask under the nose? Uh, the first the first night with we saw a show. And I kind of felt like the mask was falling under the nose and I, I just didn't necessarily argue because they, they set it up so that there was really nobody around you. So it wasn't like, you know, at one point she had the mask off and there were cast members walking around. And I said, if they see you without that mask on, they're going to give you a hard time. And she, and she was just like, no, I know, I know. And then she would just put the mask back on. And I think yeah. that happened twice. And then the lights went down, and I was captivated by the show. So I, she could have ripped the mask off for all I know, and I wasn't paying attention to it. Now, is this a new ship? Like, what was the deal? Why were you going on this cruise in particular? We were going on this cruise because uh, we went on a Disney cruise, which anybody who listens to Pot is My Co-Pilot knows that the cast loves a Disney cruise. Um, and we haven't really been on one in a couple of years, and Taffy – Definitely sees that as a way to relax and mm-hmm. um, was very much of the the numbers are really low as far as how many people they're allowing on the ship at a time. And it is relatively easy to get on the ship right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is cheaper, but I am saying that like lowercase c. It was still pretty expensive, but it was yeah. and she just really wanted to do this. And. She wanted me to do this because she saw that over the course of the last summer, I really needed just a couple of days to relax and to get away from everything. So, and I did thank her at the end of it and said, I needed this more than I realized. Oh, so it was very relaxing for you. And it was, it it, it was just what the doctor ordered. It was so relaxing that I, I actually walked around a barbecue on an island without my shirt on eating barbecue ribs <laughs> and oh, not wow. caring at all. That's how relaxed I was. Yeah. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. um, now what, now what stories am, are you holding back for your show? Cause once again, this will not air until the end of December. We don't necessarily, I think that the stories were the first night Okay, so Taffy will always do a thing of where she will give a um, like make like goodie bags for people, mm-hmm. and in the past she had put stuff like candy in it for me, particularly Swedish fish. But then what I do is because I have no self control, I eat the entire bag of Swedish fish and then feel sick for a day or two. Yeah. So I said to her, just please don't do that. And she so she got me things like cashews 
And she did put a couple of Reese's peanut butter cups, but she also put this little game in there um, that two people can play. And she had thought at some point it might be something if we were not supposed to have good weather, we could actually play this game like in the room okay. and kind of hang out kind of mm-hmm. like a deck of cards kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we had also been talking about this game I've played on my phone for years called Disney magic kingdoms which mm-hmm. is sort of like a tapper game that is it's I'm kind of to the point of where, and we were talking about the fact that I feel like I'm kind of done with the game because it is very much a cash grab. And in order to, to progress, you need to, to earn certain characters and stuff. You kind of have to spend money and I'm mm-hmm. just getting to where I'm really tired of it. So we had been talking about the game earlier and then we were talking about magic kingdom and we were sitting at dinner the first night and she said something like, well, if we're tired or something we can do where, you know, you can play the game. And I thought she meant magic kingdoms. And I said, I don't give a shit about that game, but I said it with such disdain. And she thought I meant the game that she just gave me. So then she looked all like horrified. And then we were kind of doing like, no, 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 I meant the game. But then we were laughing about that. So I don't give a shit about that game became the quote of the, the weekend where she would occasionally just look at me go, I don't give a shit about that game. Mm -hmm. So, and also because I just started Wellbutrin a couple of weeks ago, um, the phrase pills, baby from parks and rec. We kept saying that we were that obnoxious couple of people that would just go pills, baby, like in crowded areas. Did you make any friends on this boat? No, we have a very, well, okay. Yes. And no, I have a rule. I try really hard not to talk to other people on the cruise. And I hate when Taffy talks to other people because she inevitably talks to some crazy person that is wearing like the vest with all of the Disney pins and stuff. And then they want to have this big, long conversation and talk about all of the tragedies in their life and stuff. And I have had times where I have literally just walked away from Taffy and then like left her to her own devices. So, however, the one night we went into we went into this one bar called pink that we like on the ship and it's supposed to be like you're in the, you know as a concept is you're supposed to be inside a pink champagne bottle and it's a champagne bar and there were these two homosexual gentlemen that were sitting in the bar and they were wearing shirts that ta- that taffy commented on as we were walking through and then we all struck up a very brief conversation maybe about mm-hmm. 30 seconds and sure. then we left the next morning Taffy goes into the coffee shop that is on the ship and these two guys are there and they start up a conversation and the one says to her, your voice is very familiar. Do you do like a podcast or anything? And she she said, yes. And he said, okay. And she said the name of it. And he showed her on the phone that he had just started listening to our show. Okay. I have a couple of questions. How big did your boner get? <laughs> and who cleaned up the mess uh, on the shuffleboard deck? Uh, well, I was in the room. So hopefully our room host, Malvin, who was very cute. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he Would I think he's mess. cute? Um, Very tall from the Dominican Republic. He had beautiful skin and like gray blue eyes. And and um, kind of like curly black hair. He was lean, muscular, so you could tell he had a really nice body, but he wasn't like thick. So, and I was very much of the first day when he came to the door, and I couldn't see I couldn't see below his nose, but I could see I could see his face, see his eyes, and I can only imagine what it looked like under the mask and and he said is there anything i could do for you guys and we said no and as soon as we shut the door and i went except take your shirt off what's funny was she a gay first of all no she was not a gay however we also had another beautiful server when we went to the one restaurant and his name was victor and he was also from the dominican republic and i might have stalked him after we got back as far as to find pictures of what he looked like under the mask. And he is kind of cute, but he was not quite what I was expecting. But he had really pretty eyes and really, I like a thick eyebrow. And he had very much, a he had very strong, not bushy, but strong eyebrows. I asked, you know, last Sunday I went out with friend of the show, Jean-Paul, right? Mm -hmm. And we were at this place grabbing a taco and this beautiful Stunning, stunning work of art of a man 
walked in. I'm a sucker for, you know, swarthy dark skin with very, you know, prominent blue or green eyes. Mm-hmm. And he had that. He was just like, with the mask on, the hottest person I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I yeah. just couldn't take my eyes off of him. And he bought his taco and he sat down. And then he took the mask off. And he wasn't ugly, but he went from a 10 plus to like maybe a 7. That was Victor. Okay. I'll send, I'll send you the picture. Yeah. And uh, and so those are the those are the big stories from your Disney cruise. Um, th- those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I yeah. I did a five k, mm-hmm. which was a big deal for me. Krispy Kreme, um, and then um, caramel <laughs> corn, and uh, uh, candy. Because I'm illiterate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Candy Muse. Candy Muse was there actually yeah. with me doing the doing yeah. the 5K. So Cracker um, Jacks. That's Cracker Jacks. Like, yeah. yeah. So you like Cracker and Jacks. I I I wouldn't turn down a Cracker Jack, but I it's not my go-to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not my I, I'm not a big like caramel corn like caramel popcorn and stuff yeah that's just I not like, my well my thing. i like well-made caramel co- popcorn but i don't like cracker jacks i like kettle corn though uh i'm picky with my kettle corn some i like some i don't trader joe's has some pretty good fucking kettle corn though i'm gonna tell you that oh you know oh, who i'm all, sure you, you know who i'm a sucker for and i'm sure everybody is i think everyone will agree this popcornopolis can fuck me up the ass right the only place I've ever seen that is in when we're we've been in Vegas. Oh, so maybe it's like a West Coast thing. I see what yeah. you mean, and I'm and I'm putting a mask on him, and I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I could see how with a mask. Um, and he has he had the he had the accent like he had a thick Dominican accent, and he was just where we just kind of were doing the whole. You know that he would just plop it on the table like right that like that just very much of that he was he was very confident which i think also made him very sexy too yeah i'm if he if he said you know do you want to blow me and i was not married i'd probably go okay so um shifting gears here Is uh so I've told I told this story on an impromptu RuPaul radio style show I did yesterday. Kind of record. This is really weird. In my psychology is I had to record some ads and I just didn't want to do them. And so I go, if I go live though, I will. And so I went live, mm-hmm. and sure enough, I did the shows, the ads I needed to do, and and I love how I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to take ten minutes out of my day to do three ads. So I took two hours out of my day, right, uh, to go live and do two three ads. Um. But, uh, so, I'm in a weird, not pickle, the, it's, the, the, the situation's done, but, um, do you know who Ricky J is? No. So, Ricky J, you would recognize him, he was a, a prominent character actor, and he was also a very, very well-regarded magician, okay? Uh, in the magic world, he is a very, very highly regarded magician, up there, right? And he okay. passed away like a year or two ago. Okay. And um Oh, he, I yeah, okay. Yeah. You've I've seen, seen him. him and stuff. Yeah, yeah he's, yeah, he's yeah. like a character actor. Yeah. Yeah. And he passed away, and they had so what Ricky Jay was famous for was not only being an accomplished magician, but also almost like a scholar of like circus stuff and magicians and oddities he wrote books on it on like of like sort of like freak shows and circuses and traveling side shows and just sort of weird americana sort of stuff like that okay mm-hmm. and so they did an estate sale of i guess chosen things for his estate and i really really wanted something so i had a, a small budget okay. of what i could spend and there were some things that i want and the, the auction was over the course of a couple of days and I was growing more and more disappointed because things were going for way more than they were worth and specifically more than I could afford. Right? Okay. And like for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, way overpriced. Okay. There'd be occasional things, but I didn't care about them. That didn't, but whatever. 
And the auction was coming to an end, and I was watching the tail end of it. I had resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get anything. But there were still a couple of things at the end that I was like, maybe, maybe there'll be some sort of exhaustion. I can get them for a decent price. And then, so then I got a phone call yesterday, and then I was on the phone. I heard my aunts arrive, and they were talking to my mom, but I didn't pay attention. I was on the phone. And they left. And then I went to go pee and I saw that my mom was in my niece's bedroom, the bedroom that my niece is sleeping. And I had a magic poster, a beautiful magic poster that I bought. I loved this magic poster when it arrived. Loved. Okay. And it was small. It wasn't a big one. It was small. And I saw it on the bed next to her feet. I was like, oh, I got to move it. You know, it could get damaged. So I go to move it. And there <laughs> So I shove my mother. <laughs> yeah. I shove my mother off the bed. No, but there was a huge dime-sized drop of liquid on the poster, okay? And um, I was like, oh, oh, my God. And so I ran out with the poster, and I was like, ah, ah, like it was on fire. And I go, this has to dry, right? And I was really, really upset even then. But when it dried, the poster was ruined. It left a huge stain on it. I'm going to send you a picture of it. And you're going to be okay. sad when you see what the poster is. Um, and it was ruined. And okay. did you see it? Oh, no. Yeah. The spot directly under him? Yes. So oh. I was... Yeah. I was very, very upset. My mo- And so... I, so, so, I so called, should, should we say what it is? Yeah, you can say what should it is. Should we say what the poster is? Okay, yeah, so it's a poster of the – there's no words on it. It's just a poster of the scene from Star Wars the where they play the song Binary Sunset, and it's Luke Skywalker looking uh, at the two suns, the two setting suns. And it's a beautiful picture. It's all, like – pinks and blacks and like a little bit of like blue in there and this is a really pretty poster that that hurts that hurts to yeah. look at this yeah and um so i was like i was like I, I have a cousin who loves star wars but he's not super not savvy but like he doesn't care and so i was like do you want this poster it's garbage now and he's like yeah so i was like whatever so i decided to like get my mind off if i just watched the rest of this fucking Ricky J auction, get my mind off of it. So I'm watching it, but my mom feels really badly in the other room. Mm-hmm. She's like, is there anything? Can I buy another one for you? Cause what happened? What we what happened was Linda, Aunt Linda was wa- washing her hands with hand sanitizer and a huge drop went from her hands. So I go, no, you can't. This sold out in like 10 seconds. They don't make very many of them and it's gone. And she's going, well, can't you get it restored? Because I just came back from picking up my restored post. I'm like, no. I was going to say, cost- you just got one restored. Yeah, but it, those those are worth thousands of dollars. And it cost me thousands of dollars to fix them. It's not worth the money. I could buy a new one for 100 or 200 right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, but I'm talking, my mom's talking to me from the other room. And I'm like, no, 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 leave me alone. Right? You know? <laughs> And I go back to the auction and I hear sold to paddle 599. And then I get a, a notification on my phone. You won this item. Oh. And I go, what? And I had accidentally placed a bid. And I didn't know oh, what no. it was. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. 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 So now it get, it gets worse. Right? Oh god. It gets worse. And now I'm in a horrible mood and I'm looking at this thing that I bought with eyes of hate, right? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Right? And now that used up all the money that I had set aside for what I wanted to spend. Luckily it was I got lucky in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, because Ricky J had a bunch of shit that I didn't want. And so I'm lucky that it was A a poster B a poster from an era that I collect, but it wasn't magic C that it was in my budget, but which is odd because nothing was in my budget, but in my budget, but on the high end and uh-huh. D that it actually sold for less than it was worth. 
So a lot okay. of were good. But I was still like, well, now I can't buy anything else. <laughs> like, they're done, right? And I can't even bid on the things that I want. And um, so looking at the eyes of hate, and so Aiden, the great, you know, pacifier, he's mm-hmm. like, well, show it to me. <laughs> yeah. I was going to joke about the pacifier, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says, show it to me. And I send it to him. And the poster, too. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I'm not even lying. I legitimately like this poster more than the other ones that you've shown me. Right? And I go, okay. what? So you have it right now. What are your thoughts on it? Yes. And then I, I, I'm not a fan. It is okay. definitely, it looks kind of like a poster almost... Like a like a poster from the twenties, I would say it's from nineteen fourteen, nineteen hundreds. Okay, I was going to say the early nineteen hundreds. So it's kind of that style with the font, and it is a picture of City CD mm-hmm. yep. in his juggling act pastime on the battlefield, and it looks like he's surrounded by things that I'm assuming he juggled, like can- yes. like little cannonballs and bullets, yes. like yes. large Very like bullets good. and that sort good of thing. Detective here, uh huh. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's okay. It's, I love that era of advertising. I'm not necessarily a fan of this. So I feel John Paul was where you were. And then, you know, because I just bought it, I got the whole story of it, right? Which is that city, if that's how you say his name. So in the mm-hmm. early 1900s, there was a strange phenomenon where it called power juggling. And okay. this is when people would juggle very heavy objects, a la cannonballs and things, right? But it was a field primarily dominated by Europeans. And in fact, City was the only American who did power juggling. Okay. Uh, but when World War I happened, which is soon after this poster was created, obviously power juggling and all that stuff went away for a while. And when the war was over, he just disappeared. He never came back. I know how much you bought this poster. <laughs> I know. I, that's not a secret. I talked about it in the air. Oh, well, you no, know, I just happened to, I just was going to do research on the guy oh. and the poster just came up and it shows that what the lot sold for. And yeah, Joseph, what? I need to renegotiate for season 14 if you're spending this much on a poster. <laughs> and uh, so um, what was I going to say? Oh, so he was never heard from again. And this is like a surviving poster from him. And so like, look, ultimately, one thing that was really important to me was that I really wanted to own something from the Ricky J collection. I thought that'd be very okay. cool to have. So I'm yes. happy about that. And also, I'm not so sure I'm going to hate it. One of the things I've learned with buying um, movie posters is that you can buy a poster and be kind of lukewarm about it. And then you get it. And in real life, it's stunning. So I don't know. But it could be that this is one of those cases. I'm lukewarm on it. I don't hate it. Um, I love the story behind it. Yeah, yeah, and you have a story not only about the poster, but a story about buying the poster. Yes. Which is a and little it, different. You know, I, I have the poster, the Rogue One poster that you gave me that you claim that I hate, that I don't, that I'm looking at right now. And part of the reason that I love this poster as much as I do mm-hmm. is because of the story behind it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Chris signed it and, you know, you sent it to me and I was not expecting it and you know, all of the stuff that goes with that. So I mean, and that's part of the reason that I love that poster as much is because of the story behind the actual poster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll see. And look, here's the deal. Then I, I got to find a way to sell this poster if I don't like it. But, um, but I do like that. It was, you know, owned, I really do like that. Oh, my Ricky J. It's one of these things that when you, when I see it, it might change. It's one of the, it's hard to tell with these things. Believe it or not. Well, once you, yeah, once you get it actually, the the text, the texture or the textile of it in your hands, then that may be. Somebody asked me, uh, if the uh, other, if I would have, if there was, of the other poster, there was one poster later that fell within my budget. 
And okay. was, but I but I was like, well, who knows if the person would have raised me out of my budget? A, B, even that poster, I don't think I would have chosen anyway. Is know? that the Max Siegfried Fried one? No, it's it's way down there. It's like the Lenore sisters or something like that. It's, go scroll all the way to the bottom. It's towards the bottom, and it's like something like the something sisters or something. Oh well, it's it there. The way that I'm doing it on my phone is you have to go through each one individually, but I can, I'll, I'll look through Here, it later. I, I could do it right now. Hold on. Um, can I have the app? Which is how I accidentally bought it. That oh, was the, that was the, the only app. That was the only one that I, um, that was the only one that fell within a budget that I could have afforded. Right. So, um, but who knows if I would have actually bid, it could have gone up to like, Three thousand dollars. That would have been out, you know. Yeah. Um. If that person really wanted, it. I'm t- sending you a text message with the one. It went for like around the same price. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, I like that. I don't like the font though, but I like yeah. the picture. Yeah. So um, yeah. There you. They go. need to work on their padding. Yeah, they do. Uh, all right. This week, the queens shade each other in the reading challenge before doing their best Miranda Priestly impression, acting as editor in chief of their very own dragazines. After walking the runway in their best dragazine glamour, Fifi O'Hara is named the winner of the challenge, while Jiggly Caliente and Willem are placed in the bottom two. After the lip sync, Willem is told Shantae, you stay, while Jiggly is asked to sashay away. Taylor the Latte Boy, go ahead and name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you uh, did not. Um, I liked Jonathan Clay Harris as the photographer. Oh, that what his name was? was? Thank you. I missed it. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. I was going to his Instagram page. Oh, how is is she still cute? She's, she's, I mean, it's been like 10 years, but yes, she's still cute. What's her name? Jonathan Clay Harris. Because she has Um, one of those faces that you can, it's super hot for like a hot minute. Yes. And then, yes. like, some time passes, and you're like, oh. And I think we're more on that side. That, because, you know, I am the epitome of all things male beauty and perfection. Yeah. But, you know, it's a – that's really kind of, – this is this was probably my least favorite episode Ooh. of the season so far. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I don't like a lot of plastic surgery. Okay, so he has had pla- – I don't – Oh, yeah, surgery, look at this. Look at this filler? face. Look at this face. Oh, you know it's so washed yeah, out can... in the picture on the camera you can't tell. No, I can at... I can kind of tell. I don't know that that's a lot of plastic surgery. I think that might be that he might have some filler. But he also kind of was a little he was kind of a little waxy on the episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. What were you saying? Um, I just started to go to his page, but I was distracted by a listener of ours who posted a picture in a speedo, and I got distracted. So, of who is? Um, th- I'm not going to say his name now, but I'll I'll tell you later. So he's he, he's a li- I think he is a listener of ours, and he's very very cute, and I just I enjoy when he posts shirtless pictures. Um, he's more he's more my speed, not yours. Uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily like this episode. I. I it was a couple of the jokes, the reading challenge jokes were funny, but not like one or two out of all of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the thing I did not like was really kind of the episode. Yeah. Not, not a great episode. I think, I think we're, we're more than halfway through this season. And I think yes. it sucks that we don't have access to uh, untucked because yeah. What I would say for season three was that the legend that is season three was made by Untucked. And I almost wonder if season four, the legend is made by Untucked. And I think that's the case because I now I also know, like we talked about season five and that you see season five with different eyes and it changed it affects. But this episode, like the I just remember Fifi hating everybody. Mm hmm. And and Fifi being the definite villain. Mm-hmm. And while they are definitely giving some shade to Fifi, I'm not getting like the villain that they made her out to be. And I think that was more in Untucked. Like there mm-hmm. is even a scene 
at this point where like Fifi and Willem are talking like they're kikiing at one point that it's very yeah. much like, well, this is like buddies, you know, and they're, yes. and they're, they're being cordial and polite to each other. And there was no, there was no, you know, narration of the, you know, where one of them calling each other a bitch or anything like that. It just was not, it's, I, I think that we are at a disadvantage, like you said, because uh, we don't have untucked. Cause I feel like untucked is where a lot of the drama actually happened. But I think it's I, I I and and I'm saying this through ignorant uh an in, ignorant perspective because I have not seen this untucked, save for the first episode. But it goes to show that it might prove my theory correct because they film untucked between the main stage and the lip sync, and mm-hmm. um that I think Fifi is at her worst behavior when she's feeling stressed and under pressure. So that she's going to be at her most stress under pressure in those moments. If she thinks she's going home or if she thinks she's not going to win or specifically Fifi, if the person she doesn't think should win is going to win, you know? So uh, yeah. that's probably why they got a lot of great stuff out of Fifi. Cause that's when she's most, she doesn't handle stress very well is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those episodes for me where I don't hate it. It's just a whatever episode. It's just, it's yeah. drag race, you know? And so, uh, I have no really strong feelings about it. It's completely forgettable. I won't, I will not remember it by Monday. I probably won't remember it tomorrow. The only, th- I remember stuff, which we'll get to when we get to the critiques. I remember Willem talking about this on Race Chaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was not much of this episode to like, and also I'll be honest with you, not much to dislike. It was just—I'll tell you what—I don't like this uh, song. It's horrible. No, the song is horrible. It. Yeah, it's horrible. So uh, that was it. All right. After Milan's elimination, the queens ask Jiggly if she really thinks she can win the show after lip syncing twice, and Jiggly hesitates a bit too long before answering. Next, RuPaul enters the workroom and informs the girls the library is open and it's time for the reading challenge. Each girl will take a turn reading her fellow competitors in hopes to make Rue laugh. Fifi's jokes are met with silence while the Latrice Royale slays and wins the mini-challenge. Taylor, any thoughts on everything that happened after Milan's elimination, the reading challenge? What you got to say here from us? I thought when they came back in to wipe the lipstick off the mirror, it felt very punching down at Jiggly. Mm-hmm. Like she had just, it, there was something kind of, which I just got done saying they didn't do the villain edit on Fifi and then they kind of did with this, but where it just felt like they were all kind of standing around her and she just got done lip syncing and I, it feels like she doesn't feel all that confident at this point and asking questions like, what well, do you really think you have what it takes? And, and mm-hmm. you're not, you're taking way too long to answer. And there was thought there was very much a bullying aspect of that, that I didn't care for. Yeah. Um, did, did you agree, disagree? I'll be honest with you. That whole scene seemed odd because, yeah. A, I've never seen Fifi act that way towards Jiggly before, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. I haven't seen Sharon. Sharon was kind of joining in too. I had never seen her do that stuff before. And the people who you would think would defend Jiggly said nothing. It was a very strange moment everyone just sort of seemed to accept it as like yeah this is just what happens yeah yeah um and and it just it yeah i just didn't like that that felt very un like you said unlike the normal because we've also talked about the cookie cutter aspect of that first scene now mm-hmm. um and uh as far as the reading challenge goes i didn't remember any of these jokes usually you can remember one or two from this each of the seasons the closest i came was the joke as far as the you're such a fat slut after sex you smoke hams i did think that was a funny joke Mm -hmm. um the only other one was and i think sharon said this one too was i know you think my makeup is ashy is gray but i'm trying to match your knees or something said that to dita yeah like those, those were two funny. Just I was surprised that Latrice won. I thought that Sharon's jokes were funnier than Latrice. Well, I thought well, Latrice had the she did the. I, don't, I think it's an old joke, but she delivered the first BMW body made wrong, mm-hmm. which I think someone else says later. But I think Latrice delivers it for the first time again. I think I've heard though that's an old joke. Um, okay. 
And so that was, but yeah, I don't understand why Latrice won either. Um, what, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I, like, it's going to be pretty, I, I actually had literally zero notes on my notes. I have too. like three quarters of a page of notes. Usually I did yeah. like the first episode. I had like three pages. This For is... Dracula, I had two pages front and back. This I have about half a page. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. After the library is closed, RuPaul announces this week's main challenge. The Queens will be editor in chief of their own dragazine. They'll need to design the cover, choose the articles, and define a clear vision for their publication. As the winner of the mini challenge, Latrice wins the ability to assign the titles and topics to the girls. The girls are given the following dragazines. Chad Michaels was Eleganza for fashion. It was a fashion magazine. It was called Eleganza. Jiggly Caliente did a health and fitness magazine called Battle of the Bulge. Fifi O'Hara did a travel magazine called Sashay Away. Dita Ritz did a food magazine titled Tastes Like Chicken. Latrice Royale did Celebrity Gossip, and that was called What's the Tea? Uh, Willem did Home Decor called Sugar Walls, and Sharon Needles for Cat Lovers did Kitty Cats. Um, next, in the workroom, Jiggly wants to go serious, not funny, but the other girls think they should find she should find the joke. Fifi encourages her to stay serious, but confesses to Willem. That Fifi's trying to sabotage Jiggly. Dieter Ritz talks about avoiding eating fried chicken in public to not feel like a stereotype. All right, so your thoughts on this maxi challenge, how the magazines were assigned, uh, everything happens in the workroom. What are your thoughts there, Taylor? Well, and I think this kind of goes back to that first act scene with the Jiggly has got the exercise magazine. Well, then clearly it has to be funny because she's larger yeah and i think that we it, it, the, the scene with and i we might be getting a little ahead but rue talking with her about that it's clear that jiggly had issues with her body and that even the fact that latrice gave that to her i think that I, it's it feels like it like kind of hurt her feelings a little bit but she was she was thinking maybe i could do this as a platform for talking about whether it's body positivity or people that struggle with, you know, their weight, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it feels like it was like, well, no, you're the, you're the fat queen. So just make fat jokes about working out and stuff. And that, that, that made me a little sad for Jiggly in that regard. Um, do you want to talk about that? And then I have thoughts about Dita and the chicken. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I think I'm a little less sensitive. Not that I'm mad at her, but more like I'm like when I when I saw the finish. I, okay, I was more sensitive when I thought it was some sort of video, like a like a video presentation. But when uh-huh. I saw it was just shooting a magazine cover, you had a stupid like "just shoot me" title kind of things going on. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, bitch, you could have been funny. You I and mean, it wasn't that hard, you know. Uh, how are you going to be serious on that? You know, so. Well, I think there are ways that there are we are seeing now that fitness magazines and things like that, you know, 10 years later from when this episode came out, that there are people of different sizes on stuff and Mm -hmm. that it is that things are talked about a little bit where it's not everything isn't just get six pack abs and, you know, two weeks, you know, there are other. There's more there's more room at the table, so to speak. So, you know, in in that way, I think Jiggly was kind of maybe she wasn't necessarily thinking that she was going to become a trendsetter. But I, I, I commend Jiggly for trying to think outside the box that it wasn't just it wasn't just Sharon doing all pussy jokes all over the, her car like she did, mm-hmm. which is like kind of low hanging fruit. But yeah, on the other hand, we know Rue likes low hanging fruit. So, yeah. You know, she wasn't necessarily Jiggly may have been th- Jiggly wasn't necessarily thinking, you know, to think about the the uh, the core audience of who she was trying to appeal to, which is RuPaul. Uh, all right. Why don't you give me that talk about give me your big speech about uh, what Dita Ritz and the eating the fried chicken in public? Well, it's not a big speech. I just had thoughts. This is another mm-hmm. one of those things that. The back then. I, you know, I don't think it was necessarily thought about as much as it would be now. If on a, on season 13 or season 14, if they gave a black queen a plate of fried chicken or to make stuff about chicken, 
the people would be in uproar over something like that. <laughs> it's just, it's, I, 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 that's one of those things that this is definitely my white privilege that it never occurred to me what it would be like for black people to eat like fried chicken or, you know, Dita talks about watermelon and stuff like that, that she's not going to, to give people a, you know, an opportunity to make fun of her or to stereotype her or things like that. That's something that I don't necessarily think about, you know, and the fact that she was cognizant enough of that to go, I'm not crazy about this idea. I think, you know, again, that's something that is very much of its time and could never be done on a season now. Yeah, it's something that I have. We actually just talked about this on a different podcast with Lori Rockingham. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because I had to stop. She was going back to her whole 2006 comedy routines, and I had to like, <laughs> listen. This is really offensive. But also. Uh, I think as a person of color, I think black people have it the worst. But as a person of color, I've read articles about people. And I, so I've known about this phenomenon. I've, I've, I've heard black people talk about this before. And uh, and I know li- Mexicans of a certain age or um, Asian people have dealt with this too. Where you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to catch a, an Asian person eating like a fortune cookie or something. I don't know. I'm making that right. up. But like. Rice. My mom's talked about how when she was a kid, uh, she would not eat lunch. Even my mom grew up. This is so Mexican to my mom. My mom grew up with nothing but Mexicans. But she didn't want to seem like she was eating like beans and rice or tacos or whatever. So when it was like the cafeteria, she'd go hide in the bathroom so she didn't have to eat lunch or something. It's some weird story like that. And yeah. so um, people of color have those afflictions where they don't like to eat beans in public or some sort of food uh, that's particular to their culture. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I've necessarily felt that in particular, but um, but I think as a, I'll say this, as a fat person, uh, I don't like to eat messy foods in public. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, which, which kind of goes back to the beginning of this episode where I just didn't care walking around with a barbecue rib in my yes. hand. That That's I just a really kind good of example. That. But there's a, normally I would be like, people are looking at this big fat pig walking around with yes. barbecue and yeah. with with like sauce on my face and stuff like that and thinking comments. And so, yes, I, I can definitely speak to that, that I'm very cognizant of. I want to be a neat eater when I am eating because I can only imagine what people around me are thinking. Yeah. Uh, all right, Taylor, why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to cover the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah! During the table visit, Dita Ritz chooses the chicken of the month. Fifi O'Hara wants to appeal to horny gays. And Rue tries yet again to convince Jiggly to find the humor in her dragazine. Taylor Latte Boy, any thoughts on these table visits? Um, I, I think it kind of speaks to what I talked about before, in that I think both particularly Dita and Jiggly seem to be really kind of have an idea of how this this is sort of the beginnings of people realizing, oh, out, the outside world, when I leave this show. Mm-hmm. This could this could come back, and particularly Dita, I think this could. She was thinking that maybe this would blow up in her face, and mm-hmm. so I I definitely think that she was kind of making this statement to sort of protect herself, um, understandably so. And but I also think there are things that she could have done with it that wasn't necessarily fried chicken per se. You know, like the fact that they gave her the plate of fried. Just I was like, oh, why does it have to be fried? I I just. Mm-hmm. That bothered me for her. Um, Jiggly with oh, the whole thing of. We're going to the photo shoot, but I didn't even think of that. But go ahead. Yeah. So with Jiggly and Rue, and she was saying, you're Jiggly Caliente. And she, and yeah. Jiggly was like, I kind of went over here. She's like, no, you're Jiggly. She might have went. She might as well have said, no, you fat pig. <laughs> make, yeah. like, make like fat jokes on the on your exercise thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's just it, it's it's just they, they were uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable, uncomfortable, but they were just sort of like, ew. Like, as I was watching mm-hmm. it, it was just kind of like, a, ew, I don't, 
necessarily care about that. I don't remember anything about Rue talking to Fifi. I know they did talk. Um, and I know that she talked to Willem too, but I don't mm-hmm. remember anything about those. It wasn't particularly interesting. Here's what I'll say. The only thing I said about Jiggly is, I don't know if she's the first person to make this mistake, but I was like, does Jiggly realize that the person she's talking to later wears drag and is <laughs> the same person? Yeah. Cause she, RuPaul's like, Jiggly, I am telling you, make it funny. And she's like, nah, I'm gonna stick to my guns. Yeah. And I'm like, the person who makes a decision is telling you to do this. Right. So that was very strange for me, which ties in with during the workroom. I love there's a shady moment where, like, uh, I think it's the trees is saying this is going to really show who the intellectuals and the not intellectuals, the, 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 I don't know, the intellectuals are and the other people are. And they yeah. show a picture of just jiggly eating candy. Yes. No, I thought of that. That was clearly a, that was clearly a, Twisting of the knife. I thought the same yeah. thing, too. All right. Uh, time to shoot those magazine covers. Dita Ritz isn't feeling the fantasy. Sharon cuddles a stuffed cat and Jiggly boxes the pit crew while the trees can't stop staring at them, even to look at the camera. What was the name of that photographer again? Jonathan Clay Harris. Jonathan Clay Harris uh, was the one doing the photo. He is the hottest photographer that they've had. But I can yeah. see you like in this Mike Ruiz, though. Oh, yeah. No, Mike Ruiz is. Yes. He has a little bit of the gay face, but he's still a little. He's, <laughs> we've been we've been a little too plucked and tucked. Yeah, but um, I, again, they handed Dita a plate of fried chicken, and there was something about that that just really bothered me. That never that never occurred to me. That never yeah. occurred to me. But you're right, a hundred percent. But I can guarantee you, ten years ago when I watched it, I probably didn't even think anything about it. Yeah, but I like to think that I'm a little more evolved now. So. Some of the stuff, it just sort of like, oh, that, 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 that didn't age well. Um, I thought Jiggly seemed to be the most animated as far as where she was trying to jump rope and she was trying to do mm-hmm. things like that. So I thought that that was the fact that they used the one picture that they did was I, – I, I, I can't help but find that to be um, producer-driven. Well, if you think about it, in a way, it's a way to manipulate who the winners and losers are. Right. That's what I mean. The yeah. photo that they chose. Because um, it doesn't seem like the girls got to choose which picture they yeah, were going to Because on the main get. stage, um, Willem's like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, and that kind of speaks to what I want to talk about later. Willem's, I thought, was actually the most fun. The photo shoot was the most fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Willem kind of went into character, I thought, a little bit. And mm-hmm. was it was there was a silliness to it. I know that Willem is very... People uh, are either hot or cold on Willem, but... And even this season, I'm very hot or cold on Willem, but I thought that that was kind of a fun, she was having fun with it, it felt like. Does she do that character on this race chaser? Um, It's not quite to the level that this character was on this season four. She is definitely kind of playing a character of sorts. But then you also figure Alaska's not doing the same character that she was on season five. Yeah, but I think Alaska's doing her real character, which is boring. So, um... Because I, 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 you know, you are a mental health professional, Taylor, and um, you wrote the book. <laughs> I was the drag behind the mask uh, by Taylor Latte Boy DDS. And do you think that there is a disconnect, like that? This is Willem's way of disconnecting, that we don't ever get to see the real Willem. Oh, yeah. I think that Willem went into this playing a character. Willem has been pretty open about that. She just kind of saw this as a role to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and wanted to, you know, just kind of wanted to play with, the, according to her, wanted to play with the rules, wanted to fuck with the rules a little bit. And, and next week is the episode. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of feel like we saw that with the where we kind of sort of cried when she was deemed safe and then had the weird thing of, I'm just sad because all of these other people are going to go home so I can win. Like, I mean, there's just something where we're kind of playing, we're playing on kind of almost on the Jessica Simpson character that she played for snatch game. It kind of feels Mm -hmm. like a dark extension of that to some degree. Yeah. Once again, you can find this book on amazon.com. Just look it up by the title. 
Uh, all right. It's elimination day and the girls get ready for the runway. Jake Lee shares she was mocked and abused by her family for being gay. This leads to a discussion about gay marriage where Latrice believes marriage should be left to straight couples. Oh my God. I want to, <laughs> this, this has definitely not aged well. Uh, no, no, especially considering Latrice is now happily married. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they see someone call someone said cut to Latrice being the first one married. And I think is anyone else in that she, cast married? From that cast, not that I'm aware of. I feel Fifi got married. I don't know if she was the first one. But anyway, um uh your thoughts on everything elimination day, Jiggly being sort of abused by her family for being gay, Latrice not believing in the term marriage. Well, uh, the Jiggly thing, you know, we again, we're looking at this with eyes that are 10 years older and knowing that Jiggly has since transitioned. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that Jiggly goes through and a lot of the things that Jiggly says through, through confessionals and things that she talks about as far as her home life and stuff like that, we're realizing that there was an additional layer there that she wasn't necessarily sharing. And I think it makes some of the situations that she was in appear more tragic now that we know. You know, particularly mm-hmm. where she was bullied by family and and just harassed and name called and things like that. I can only, you know, I can only imagine what that's like from family. I was very fortunate that I didn't have that growing up. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I strangely don't. You know, I, I didn't even really feel anything when she was saying what she was saying. I don't know why. And that doesn't speak to her. It speaks to my horrible character. But, uh, I, but, which is funny because I remember on, um, it might have been on Rulaska Thoughts. I don't think I've ever cried, uh, during a, a drag race episode until now people who are listening to this is months and months later, but on Drag Race UK, when River Medway talked about the loss of her mother, I actually like tears went down my face. Yeah, uh, but I think that might be the first time I was ever emotionally moved by a a story. There was something about Jiggly's story that I felt disconnected from it. And I don't know why. I don't know why. It's not her. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it, ultimately, it's we're we're better for her having shared it with us and for sharing it for people that maybe did go through experiences similar to hers, and mm-hmm. you know, so that they realize that they are not alone. You know, that mm-hmm. is kind of what I get from this with a lot of these stories that the queen shared during mirror moments is there may be somebody out there who is going through something similar and they can see that things will be better. You know, you too can be a contestant on drag race one day. Yeah. Um, or just that things do improve. I mean, as I, I, I love it or hate it, the whole, it gets better campaign, which was around this time. I feel like um, that is still something that, is true to, you know, to talk to queer youth and just say, yes, it's a really rough time right now, but there is opportunities once you can get away from classmates or get away from family or get away from the town you're in or whatever it is. And you can, you know, once you have a little mean bit of that independence. Co-ho- mean podcast co-hosts. Yes, absolutely. It does get better. Yeah. Uh, what about this uh, Latrice Royale and her term marriage? Well, I think, you know, Sharon kind of said it at one point. She goes, well, if it's the same thing as marriage, why wouldn't we just call it marriage? Um, it didn't necessarily age well. But I think I get what I kind of get what Latrice is saying and that she didn't say she doesn't believe in gay marriage. She just wants it to be called something different than marriage. She mm-hmm. wants it to be something that is very unique to our community, which I mean, Okay. I mean, ultimately, it still has all of the rights and responsibilities and privileges of marriage. So if you want to call it something else, call it something else. But I am very happy to call my marriage a marriage. Well, what's interesting, I don't want to, I don't know if you know this, Taylor. I am not a black person and I don't want to speak for black people. But it's funny is, and I want to preface this with, I used to feel the way Sharon, I mean, Latrice did 20 years ago. Right? Right. But I used to feel that way. And I feel it's more common for gays to feel that way 20 years ago. Um, so it's kind of surprising that it was only 10 years ago for her. So a little behind the times. But 
one of the things that swayed me was learning about the whole separate but equal argument that came before the Supreme Court in the 50s, where the white people were saying, well, no, um, every, the black people get everything the white people get, but it's just, it's separated. You know, they'll get the same education, the same water fountains and everything like that, but just they're not going to share them with white people. And the argument that the Supreme Court ultimately came back with was that you can't have separate but equal. But the, the very nature that they're separate means they're not equal. Right. So it's the same. It's so it, it, for someone who I'm sure knows her black history should understand that this argument that, oh, well, it's going to be the same thing, but called something different just doesn't fly because but just by the very nature that you're saying it's called something different but it's the same thing means that it's not equal the difference though from what you're talking about with the separate but equal is that in that situation it sounds like the white people were saying oh no they get everything we just don't want it we just want it to be different whereas i think latrice was saying we want everything and we want the right to call it something we don't want to be told okay well you can have all of these things but you guys just have to call it this. Yeah, know? but what I'm saying though is that's just, uh, you know, uh, Stockholm syndrome kind of thing where she's identifying yeah. with her oppressor. Yeah. Anyway, we got too smart for this show. Uh, <laughs> all right, Taylor, it is time for the looks. We are going to do something a little bit different today. Okay. And we are going to actually show it, especially since the show's running a little long. And we're going to do what okay. we did during season 13, where you have only until the look is done, all right, to give your thoughts and whatnot. So it's going to it's gonna last the length of the looks. Are you ready for this? Uh, but do I get dings and buzzers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get dings and okay. Buzzers, all right. All right. Here we go. Okay, so the first one out is Sharon Needles, and she comes out in a black and white dress with long black gloves and black hair. Um, again, another look from Sharon. I, I'm not a fan of the uh, the eyes, but I think that it's I think that it's a good look, and I like it. And she's okay. walking away. So the next queen that comes out is. Dita Ritz and Dita comes out in a silver dress with long straight hair that is off to the side. I think Dita looks beautiful here. She looks like a um a editor that is coming to like the evening release party for her new magazine and she looks gorgeous. So I think this is a great look on Dita. Yeah, this is one of these things where I did not get the um the well, um hold on. I'm going to pause this while I, I talk. I did not get the criticism, particularly from Michelle, on that look. I think they're just trying to set Dita up to go home. Well, yeah, and and I did write down that a lot of the critiques just seemed mean this time, mm-hmm. yeah. especially the Renaissance couch. I mean, it is an ugly dress, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's not just some of the shit that they said was not very nice. So next up is Chad Michaels giving lesbian rocker realness. She came out in, I believe they are leather pants and boots and an off the shoulder sheer top and short blonde hair. Very, uh, listen to your heart from Roxette. I thought that this was a fun look from Chad. I thought that she looked great. Um, I do like that she mixes things up. Next up is Latrice Royale, who comes out in a, it looks like browns and golds and oranges, a very heavy velour dress i think the silhouette of the dress is very pretty we've kind of seen it before but it does look heavy and bulky and hot and i'm not a fan of the colors of it so this is a miss from latrice for me so next up is willem who came out in a pink uh mini skirt like a like a one-piece mini skirt with little spaghetti straps and little sheer patterns and hair sort of pulled up I thought she looked sloppy here. This is not a this is not a good look from Willem, and I was not necessarily really impressed with it. Okay, so next out is J- I'm not sure what you're going to do with this one. Jiggly came out in a butter yellow, uh, long dress with an empire waist and blonde hair. I thought Jiggly looked really, really pretty in this. I thought the dress was really pretty, um, and a and I I know from. Having a larger friend that an empire waist is a big girl's best friend. Um, so I thought that she looked great. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Next up is Fifi O'Hara, who comes out in a turquoise, 
um, kind of like a Grecian look with uh, pulled up brown hair and uh, a belt. And you can kind of see the panties underneath. But I did think that Fifi has tended to look older through most of her runway looks. And I thought that she looked really pretty here. So this is actually a good one from Fifi. Okay. And those are the looks. Oh, I didn't play the music. How interesting. But we didn't need the music. Yeah, you didn't. Well, you were playing the video too. So it's okay. Yeah. Uh, All right, Taylor. Uh, On the main stage, Fifi O'Hara is named the winner of the challenge while Jiggly Caliente and Willem are placed in the bottom two. The song... Me vida. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about the dragazines. Oh, okay. So what I remember from Race Chaser mm-hmm. is that Willem said that part of the issue, the reason that Willem kind of said the thing of the I'd fire my staff was mm-hmm. that each girl had to work with somebody who set out the layout design for the magazine. And Many of the girls, I I remember her saying Willem, and I think I remember saying Fifi, normally designed their own stuff. Like they would design stuff on their website or things like that. So they're very familiar with the software, but they weren't allowed to touch the software. There was a, there was somebody that was worked for World of Wonder that they were directing them what to do. And Willem said the, the person had no idea what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So that is why a lot of these look so, 2002 photoshop kind of you know add various weird fonts that don't make sense and like especially the stop eating stop over salting your mm-hmm. chicken kind of thing where like it, it, it everything that was about it just it all looked so cheap and so put together last minute so i remembered that so uh, particularly i think they were trying to make it look especially with willem where when Rue was like, well, I have to do things all for my, I had to do things all by myself and I had to do that. And you kind of see Willem go, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, but they edited it in a way that it looked like Willem didn't know what she was talking about. Blame it on the edit. You know, uh, it, what I think, what I'm, what I'm going around with my head, I, I wish I could, there's somebody I know who was working at World of Wonder at the time, but is, uh, World of Wonder does not drag race at the time. I don't know if this is still the case. Was not a union show, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are union rules, weird teamster union rules that, like, if it's a union person doing the job, even if you you cannot do it, they have to do it, even if they don't know what they're doing. And I'm wondering if that was the case here. If it was some sort of like union. Maybe the crew is a union thing, and an actor can't. Or it could be it could be a SAG, even though this isn't a SAG show. I don't know. But it could be there could be some weird arcane rule that we don't know that they're just not allowed to do that stuff. You hear about that on movie sets where like a person might say, like, I couldn't get a glass of water for myself because that wasn't allowed. It's weird shit like that that you hear about. Um hmm, interesting. On the main stage, Fifi O'Hara is named the winner of the challenge while Jiggly Caliente and Willem are placed in the bottom two. The song Mi Vida Loca by Pam Tillis, a horrible song. After the lip sync, Willem lives to see another day while Jiggly is told to sashay the uh, sashay away. Tainer the Latte Boy, any final thoughts on the episode? The idea for this maxi challenge feels like it accidentally got added when they were coming up with ideas on the uh, whiteboard, on the dry erase board, and that they accidentally added it. But it never seemed like a fully fleshed out idea. Like even when Rue was talking to them, as far as what's your idea and what's your plan and all that kind of stuff, it seemed like Rue was lost through a lot of it too. Mm-hmm. So I, I this this was just not a fun episode to watch for me. Um, not the yeah, other. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other thing is that I think there is an argument that both Jiggly and Willem could have gone home. They could have done a double elimination because I didn't get anything even rem- remotely fun about Willem's about Willem's lip sync. I wonder if they knew about the cheating or breaking the rule, I should say, beforehand. They would have sent just sent her home, swept it under the rug. Or maybe Possibly. they knew and they liked the they liked the drama of it all. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um well I have no other notes. Have you said everything you want to say, Taylor? There's not really yeah. much to this episode. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each 
and every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 4. So for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. For listening to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Have something to say? Email us at dragracerecap at afterthought.media. You can also leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash afterthoughtmedia. Follow us on Twitter at Drag Race Recap. For more access to LGBTQ content, support us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. You can follow Taylor the Latte Boy on Twitter and Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batance. This episode was produced by Zach Birch. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast.